Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. What is going on, everybody? Hello, and welcome back to the Triple S Podcast. Uh, apologies if you hear any kind of staticky noises. I'm actually recording today's episode from outside. My mom is rocking out, singing up a storm, and cannot get some quiet in the house. But you know, more power to her. It is her house, uh, so I'm outside for today, filming today's episode. Uh, today's episode, we're going to be going through a couple of questions we got from Instagram. Uh, going to be going through some stuff, as I said on Instagram as well, about uh, NFL contracts, the way those are structured. And um, just try to understand those a little bit better as well. All right, so we're going to start off with our Instagram questions. We got two of them, and they're both related to quarterbacks in the NFL and both great questions. So the first question we have is, do you think the Texans will eventually trade Deshaun Watson and who would give them the best value? So to answer the first part of that question, if I was in the front office, I would say, no, you don't trade Deshaun Watson. And there's a simple reason. No matter what capital you get back in a potential trade where you would give Deshaun Watson to, say, the Jets or the Dolphins or the 49ers, whoever it is, you're not guaranteed to get back a starting franchise quarterback, whether it's an actual player like Jimmy Garoppolo, Sam Darnold, Tua Tungabailoa. None of those guys are surefire franchise quarterbacks the way Deshaun Watson is. And even if it's in draft capital with the second overall pick, if it's the um, New York Jets, if it's the third pick from the Miami Dolphins, 12th pick from the, the 49ers, 8th pick from the Panthers, etc., etc., none of those draft picks are guaranteed to hit because as we've all seen before, uh, some guys just end up being busts. So I, I don't think that it would make sense for the Texans to trade him. Now it gets squirrely because he said he does not want to play. He's going to sit out. And it kind of becomes a game of chicken, and let me explain why. So Deshaun Watson, unfortunately for him, he just signed a huge extension, four-year extension, which locks him to the Texans until 2025. So had he not signed that contract, he would actually be a free agent after, I believe, this year. Let me just check this out. So he signed a four-year rookie deal that was from 2017 to 2021. So this would have been the last year of his rookie deal had he not signed the extension. But signing the extension that locks him in from 2021 till 2025. So if the Texans were really going to play hardball, they could say, okay, you want to sit out? You sit out until you're 30 years old. He become a, he'll become a free agent only when he's 31 in 2026. But on the downside and where Deshaun Watson does have a bit of leverages, he can essentially say, whether or not I'm on your roster, I'm not playing for you. I can be on your roster, not play for you, or you can trade me, get a ton of assets because I'm sure there's teams that are willing to give up, you know, three first round picks and more second round or third round picks and players. So his leverage is saying, you're not going to get me for the entire duration anyway. You might as well get some assets for me. And it, it's a tough dance because the Texans, you know, they, they, they want to appear strong. Most millionaire owners and GMs, they want to appear strong. They don't want it to look like players can just do whatever they want. So it becomes a tough song and dance. But to answer the question again, uh, I don't think that the trade will happen, at least not this year, especially now that all this stuff is going on with Deshaun Watson in the news, with the allegations. So I think that for it to happen this year is definitely a stretch. Now, for the second part of the question, who would give them the best value? I think that the... 
because of what I said earlier, any trade that you do that involves Deshaun Watson, if you are the Houston Texans, it pretty much has to guarantee you or give you a good, good chance to find your next starting quarterback, your next franchise quarterback. Because of that, I would say your best bet is to trade with the New York Jets because they hold the second overall pick in the 2021 draft. Uh, other than that, the Dolphins is a good choice because they have the third overall pick. So, you know, Trevor Lawrence is probably going to go number one overall. I'd say 99.9% chance unless Urban Meyer pulls some crazy shenanigans and takes Fields or Wilson, which it, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but it's very unlikely. So I think that for the Houston Texans, they could say, okay, if we get the number two or three pick, good chance we can get Wilson or Fields, or I don't know if maybe they even like Trey Lance. But even those guys are not surefire things. But again, to answer the question, who has the most uh, value to give them? I would say it would be between the New York Jets and the uh, Miami Dolphins because they have the highest picks that uh, are looking for a quarterback. Now for the second question we got, it's pretty much along the same lines. We have, do you think uh, Russell Wilson will leave the Seahawks? Now this is a very similar question because... Uh, again, similar to Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson is under contract with the Seattle Seahawks. GMs in the NFL and owners in the NFL, they're not just going to let a franchise quarterback walk out of the front door. Uh, it's very unlikely because of how hard it is to find a legitimate elite franchise quarterback. There's not very many in the league. If you want to go around the league and count how many, it's it's probably under 10 that are legitimate elite uh, that's even a stretch. It's probably it's way less than ten that are legitimate elite franchise quarterbacks. So to let one walk out the door, and I would say Russell Wilson is probably a top three to four quarterback in the NFL. That's a huge stretch for me. So as much as he may want to leave, and he's saying, "Oh, these are the teams that I would go to," for for Seattle to move off of him, they need to be getting a surefire uh, franchise quarterback, in my opinion. And again, in the draft, I mean, no matter how high the pick is, it's still not a surefire thing. And most teams are not going to be trading uh, a surefire quarterback for a surefire quarterback. That wouldn't make much sense. Unless, you know, there was some kind of crazy deal where the Seahawks traded for Deshaun Watson and then uh, Russell Wilson went to Houston. But I, I don't see that happening. But uh, to answer that question, do I think Russell Wilson will leave the Seahawks? I don't think so. Uh, the Bears tried really hard and apparently threw everything at the Seahawks and they still said no. So uh, I don't think that'll happen. All right. So now that we've answered our two questions from Instagram, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about NFL contracts and cap space and a little bit of uh, a little bit of guidelines, you know, in understanding how all that stuff works. And I want to preface all of this by saying that I'm still learning uh, there's a good chance, I'm, I'm going to say there's a pretty much a 90% chance that something I'm going to say in this segment is going to be wrong, but uh, hopefully, you know, if someone else picks up on something that I said that's wrong, let me know in the comments if you're on YouTube or uh, send me a DM on Instagram if you uh, if you follow me on Instagram at the Triple S Podcast, because uh, this is a learning experience for me. I've only started to start following the money in NFL contracts uh, recently because I've started to learn that it explains so, so much. And there's a lot of times in the past where I've been very confused by a certain move that a team makes. Come to learn that it usually has a cap implication or a money implication. So I'm going to start off with what I think is very, very important. And I think it's a very, very uh, something that not a lot of people may know that I think gets overlooked that I think they should know. So the first thing I want to talk about is 
cap hits with regards to signing bonuses and how teams are pushing uh, their cap hits to be spread over multiple years. So for this ex example, we're going to take Dak Prescott's contract. And so he was guaranteed in his contract $95 million at signing, which is a huge number. Now, he's not going to see all of that right away. That's the thing. So if we look at his contract, uh, the way that a cap hit works, uh, just to, to segue a little bit, is they calculate your if you have any bonuses, so a signing bonus for that year, a roster bonus for that year, plus your base salary equals your cap hit. So this year, Dak Prescott's uh, cap hit is only $22 million, despite having a huge $66 million signing bonus and um, a lot of guarantees in the number of $95 million. So his base salary is only $9 million, and his signing bonus uh, is $13.2 million. Now, you might be a bit confused because I just said that his signing bonus was $66 million, but what you're able to do with the signing bonus, which is really nice for teams, is you can spread it over the course of a few years. Now, uh, so they took his $66 million signing bonus and split it into the next five years. So 66 divided by five is $13.2 million. So for 2021 all the way through 2025, Dak Prescott will be guaranteed to be making $13.2 million on top of his salary, which is great for him because it's money in the long term. And it's great for the Cowboys because they don't have to eat that $66 million right now, which is great news because they are in the market looking to go and get other players and upgrade their team. And they also have other big name players that they have to pay. The other thing that I want to touch on is dead cap. So this is a huge, huge factor that I only started to learn about, like I said, recently. So when it comes to dead cap, that is a huge indication usually of if a veteran player will be cut or not. Uh, if you look at a player's contract and they have a huge dead cap number, like we were just talking about Dak Prescott, we'll take him for example. If we go ahead and look, if the Cowboys were to cut Dak Prescott right now, they would, okay, he has a $22.2 million cap hit this year, 33 next year, 44 the year after. So they could save all of that by cutting him, but he has a ton of dead cap because of his signing bonus. So uh, if they were to cut him, they would carry a $95 million dead cap. Uh, he, he would also have dead cap for future years as well. So it, it would just not make sense for them to cut him. Now, there are players, for example, who if they've played through the years of their contract that had guaranteed money, they would not they would not have as high or some players don't even have dead cap associated with them uh, in the later terms of their contracts. So those players, if they are not performing well and they don't want to take a pay cut or if the team just needs to save a bit of salary cap space, those are usually the players that are that tend to be cut. To give an example of this, I'm going to talk about a player on my team, the Miami Dolphins, that uh, he's actually been discussed as a potential cut option, and uh, I'll explain to you why. So in 2021, this player is Jakeem Grant, by the way, uh, he has a cap hit of $4.7 million, and his dead cap is $1.8 million. So if they were to cut him, they would save a, a pretty penny of money. They would save almost $3 million. Uh, next year, he is going to be getting a cap hit of $4.9 million and the dead cap goes down to $1.2 million. The year after in 2023, 
he is scheduled to make a cap hit of $5.1 million and he only has a, a $0.6 million dead cap. So players like that where over the remaining years of their contract, the total uh, cap hit is much, much higher than the total dead cap. That means that the team can save a ton of money, especially if that player is not necessarily as productive as they thought they were going to be when they signed them or as they would like them to be for the money they are getting paid. Those players tend to get cut. And learning about cap uh, cap hits and dead cap and all that stuff has been very, very beneficial to me because I was a person who, uh, like I said, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. So way back in the day when the Miami Dolphins cut uh, Mike Wallace, I was heartbroken. I thought, oh my God, why would they cut him? He's a good player. We have him under contract. And looking back on it now, I'm sure that was a great move. I, I didn't pull up his actual contract, but he had already played two years with the Dolphins at that time. So his guaranteed money was probably running low. He probably had a low dead cap, but still had a higher cap hit. And that's the other thing I want to say. So over the course of most players' contracts, the way that the cap hits work is they usually increase. So, for example, Patrick Mahomes this year he was only making uh, twenty. He was only making five million dollars against the cap. This year, before he restructured his deal, he was scheduled to make twenty-four million dollars against the cap. The year after, he was scheduled to make somewhere in the thirties, and the year after, it was somewhere in the forties. So, usually, the way teams like to operate is they'll have a lower cap hit to start. And then it'll gradually go up because they figure by the time it's going up, we can hopefully restructure them. Or maybe they're just not productive anymore and the dead cap is lower and we can save some money down the road. So all this to say, uh, definitely when whenever it comes to your team or if you see a move that happens in the NFL uh, where a player is cut or traded, go ahead and look at their contract because for the most part, Teams only make these moves if it's going to benefit them. So as a fan, I used to think, oh my God, why would we do that? This is a horrible move. It doesn't even benefit us. But most of those moves have a financial benefit that is not always obvious to see. So that's going to wrap it up for our talk about contracts and cap hits. Like I said, still in the learning stages of this whole game. Uh, Definitely going to continue to learn, Google search stuff, and try and find out as much information as I can to be as well informed as I can. Uh, Again, if you're on YouTube and there's a comment section on YouTube, go in the comment section if you know something that I didn't mention that I should have mentioned or if something I said was wrong because I'm I'm not by any means trying to sit here and act like I know everything about contracts. I know that I don't, but I'm willing to learn and I want to learn to become a more well rounded fan. All right, so now I wanna switch lanes a little bit and talk about some UFC news And there are some crazy, crazy developments going on in the UFC that I definitely have to talk about. Uh, The first one, and I would say maybe the least surprising one that I want to mention is Khabib Nurmagomedov had another dinner with uh, UFC boss Dana White and is officially now retired. Uh, He had already announced his retirement, but uh, I think that it now had to be kind of discussed. You know, Dana White is definitely going to do all he can to try and make him come back at that 30-0, one more payday, one more huge pay-per-view. But uh, despite Dana's best efforts, Khabib has decided to stay retired. He's going to keep his promise to his mom. And uh, congratulations on a great career, number one pound-for-pound fighter. Whether you agree or not, that's what he's listed at. So congrats to Khabib. Enjoy your retirement. 
The next news that I want to talk about is some huge developments going on in the Bantamweight men's division. So for those of you who don't know, the Bantamweight title is currently being held by Aljamain Sterling, who got it in a very controversial win over Pyotr Jan, where he only really got it because of an illegal strike. Uh, Pyotr Jan gave him a knee to the head while he was a downed opponent, which is an illegal technique. And he was unable to continue, which resulted in a disqualification of Pyotr Jan. And Aljamain Sterling holds the title. So Aljamain was the number one contender before that. Pyotr Jan was the champion. Now Pyotr Jan is the number one contender. Behind them, the number two contender is Corey Sanhagen. He is number two right now. The number three contender is uh, Rob Font. And the number four contender is Cody No Love Garbrandt. So those are, in my opinion, the top set of guys. And it was a question for a little while, how is the UFC going to go ahead and uh, get all these guys to fight? And will it be kind of like a tournament style? How are we going to determine who is going to be the number one contenders and who's going to fight who pretty much? So it's widely believed that uh, the next title fight is going to be a rematch of Pyotr Jan versus Aljamain Sterling. I don't think anyone will dispute that because of the contentious way that that fight ended. They pretty much have to run it back and find out who the real champion is. Uh, but it was just announced recently that the next contender fights are going to be Corey Sanhagen going up against the returning TJ Dillashaw, former Bantamweight champion. That is a huge fight. So number two, Corey Sanhagen going up against Dillashaw. Uh, that's going to be May 8th. They're going to be headlining a UFC fight night. And the other two big name fighters in that division, Rob Font and Co Cody Garbrandt, are going to be headlining on May 22nd in a Bantamweight fight. So we're going to have number two versus the returning former champ. And then we're going to have number three versus number four. And more than likely, we're going to have number one versus the champ, or as some people call him, the paper champ. You know, the Oscar goes to... Uh, Aljamain Sterling so we have a bunch of huge huge fights lined up so just to say them again we we're most likely going to have Pyotr Jan versus Aljamain number two for the title we have Corey Sanhagen going against TJ Dillashaw and we have Rob Font and Cody Garbrandt uh, this is crazy to me I'm not sure how it's going to shake out I think I'm most excited for the return of Dillashaw versus Sanhagen Dillashaw is honestly one of the best bantamweights there's ever been was it because of the EPO? We don't know. So that's kind of a tough one. And Sanhagen has been on a surge. So definitely, definitely pumped to see that one. In other news, and it's related to the whole Khabib thing, uh, now that Khabib has officially retired, the light heavyweight title is officially vacant. So it was a big question of who is going to fight for that vacant title. Now, when we look at the rankings in the lightweight division, now that there's no Khabib, number one is Dustin Poirier. Number two is Justin Gaethje. Number three is Charles Bronx Oliveira. Number four is the newcomer Michael Chandler. And I believe number five is Tony Ferguson. So those are those are five top guys. Number six is Conor McGregor. So it's, it's a very, very tight, tightly contested and a tough division for sure. How is Dana going to decide who is going to fight for that title? It's tough to bet against Poirier, but... It was announced, and once you have it, Dustin Poirier is actually not going to be fighting for the light heavyweight title, which I don't agree with, but the light heavyweight world championship is going to be held May 15th, so May is going to be a huge month. I already said May 8th is going to be Sanhagen Dillashaw, May 22nd is going to be Garbrandt versus Font, 
And now we have news that UFC 262 is going to be the uh, light heavyweight championship fight. We have Charles Bronx Oliveira against Michael Chandler. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, I'm not sure about Chandler getting a title shot. You know, he just got to the UFC. He has one win, and it's over Dan Hooker, who, you know, Dan Hooker, he's a great fighter, but Dustin Poirier beat him too. And Dustin Poirier just beat Conor McGregor. So to me, it's a little odd that Poirier is not getting this title shot. I think that the reason may be uh, because he was just in somewhat of a war with Conor McGregor, he may not have been ready for May 15th. And if I had to guess, I think Dana White probably talked to him and said, listen, we're going to have this title fight, Oliveira versus Chandler. Uh, whoever comes out, they'll fight you next. So get healthy. You're not going to be ready for the 15th anyway. He already called himself the uncrowned champ, so he has that kind of to his credit. And I think even though he won't go into that next title fight as the champ, I think that he'll have the energy and the mentality that, hey, I'm the number one guy. Uh, I should really be the champion right now. And I think that that'll be a great fight. And speaking of great fights, the, the actual title fight, even though I don't think it's right that it's Chandler versus Oliveira, I am definitely pumped to see it. Uh, Oliveira and Chandler are both crazy fast. They both have good grappling, good jiu-jitsu, good wrestling, uh, good kicks. So it's going to be very, very exciting to see how that one goes. I have no idea, uh, but I'm super excited and I will be glued to my TV on May 5th to watch, May 15th, excuse me, to watch it. All right, so like I said, this episode is going to be a bit shorter. So thank you for everyone for tuning in and watching this episode. I really appreciate you guys. Thank you for rocking with me and showing love. Once again, if you have any comments or anything and you're on YouTube, go ahead and drop those in the comment section. Make sure you leave a like, subscribe if you're on any other platform. Uh, and we're going to be back with some more special episodes coming soon. Now that free agency in the NFL is starting to ramp down a little bit, coming to a close, I will be doing another mock draft now that all the team needs have adjusted. You know, teams that may have needed a certain position went out and signed a position in free agency. So that's going to change the mock draft a little bit. So look out for the next post-free agency mock draft of the Triple S podcast. Uh, but with that being said, that's all for today's episode. Thank you guys very much. And I'm out. Peace. Yeah. 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 This be a life, no gimmick.